unto the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord.
reading from the book of Exodus. From the wilderness of Sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the lake, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the lake. He intended to pass them by. But when he, they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Good evening and welcome to Trinity Cathedral. I'm Adrian Cook and I see some familiar faces and some new faces, so I'll introduce myself as a priest of the cathedral. I welcome those of you who are regulars, those of you who are visiting. We're a special warm welcome to our choir this evening, the Illuminari Chamber Choir from Youngstown and choir director John Simsick. Welcome back. It's wonderful to have you leading us in worship tonight. A couple of announcements. This is the last Wednesday night even song of this season, but you can join us next week on Thursday at 6 p.m. for an Ascension Day service, a choral Eucharist. Tonight's soup is carrot ginger. It's a vegan soup, so if after the service you'd like to stick around and join us for dinner, you're more than welcome to do that. And if you are uh, 
feeling especially inquisitive and would like to join us for our Bible study, you can bring your soup into the conference room right next to where the soup is being served. It's our final class of this season as well on the puzzle of Paul. So if you've ever wondered what to do with some of the writings of the Apostle Paul, this is a wonderful class to come and ask questions of Professor Emeritus Bob Fowler, who's leading the class. That's it for my announcements. Tonight, I would like us <clears throat> to focus our hearts on the reading from Exodus. And I have a little story to share. When I was in middle school, I started playing basketball. Sixth grade, I was really excited because I was part of the first group of girls that were playing basketball at St. Felicitas School in Richmond Heights. And every year, my Uncle Joe would take me shopping for basketball shoes, my great Uncle Joe. It was this ritual that he started in sixth grade. I think he was very proud of me for, for starting to play basketball. And he was one of my biggest fans and one of my greatest coaches. I remember him saying with his uh, Cleveland Italian accent, it's good to pass the ball, you know, a, a lot of hand motions, uh, but you should drive more, you should drive more, take the ball to the hoop, you're a point guard after all, so uh, get some points. <laughs> he didn't buy me shoes out of obligation. As the brother of my mother's mother, right, he didn't, he didn't have any kind of obligation to me, he, he bought me those shoes because he loved me. And so if he couldn't make it to a game, I had this reminder that he was always with me, that he was there supporting me and rooting me on. And I still remember my favorite pair of shoes that he got me. They were these white and yellow Nikes. I thought they were very cool. And this was, but this time I was in high school, I was at Notre Dame Cathedral Latin, and I wrote scripture verses all over them in purple permanent marker so that I could have uh, inspiration in my team colors of gold and purple and white. Uh, and I remember that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and other verses like it I had written all over my, my shoes. Now, if you've ever been on a sports team or know people who have, you know that players can be superstitious. We can be superstitious about what we wear, especially if we're on a winning streak. And, you know, some have been known to go weeks without washing their socks if they were in, you know, a really intense series of games. Um, it's this belief, right, that, that the same specific object that saw me through that last game, that last difficult thing that I went through, might see me through to the next one. So I'm going to do all the same things and wear all the same clothes. Now, wearing the same socks wasn't for me, but I did become attached to this pair of yellow and white Nikes with all the scripture verses on them. Because that year in particular, my team was on a winning streak like we'd never been on before. I wore those shoes until they were tearing at the seams by the end of the season. I wore them to practice and scrimmage and games. I wore them every day I was playing until we beat West Yaga High School, our rivals and the conference hopefuls, which we did. We won the championship that year, of course, because of the shoes. Now, that was dozens of years ago, but I thought of those shoes when I was reading this Old Testament passage, those old favorite shoes. Now, it's not because Moses is wearing the same Nikes that I had, um, but there is some familiarity in this story. Now, I grew up learning about Moses uh, in vacation Bible school, you know, the story where he struck the rock with the stick and water came out because God provided in miraculous ways for the people of Israel in the wilderness. But something surprised me this time around when I read the story. I noticed two things. First, before God expects Moses to draw water from the rock, which to me sounds pretty hard to do, God told him, go grab your favorite pair of basketball shoes. Or at least the closest thing I think maybe he had to something like that. The Lord said to Moses, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Take in your hand that staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
there's something about wearing the shoes that I wore in that championship game that tell me, remind me of the story about the hard work, the faithfulness to the team, the trust, the companionship, the joy, the awe of that final game. And I imagine that when Moses took the staff in his hand, the one that parted the seas that saved his people from slavery, Moses was reminded of the hard work, the faithfulness of the team, the trust, the companionship, the joy, the awe that he experienced the last time God asked him to do something that was hard, something that maybe seemed impossible. Second thing I notice in today's Old Testament passage is the line that comes just after this part of the story about the rock. After God tells Moses to take the staff with him and strike the rock, God says, I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. And that's something I realized I never saw enacted in the Vacation Bible School skit. They never put God on the rock uh, in front of Moses before he strikes it. And I was thinking, this is the moment God really one-ups great Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe gave me those basketball shoes so that I'd know he was thinking of me if he couldn't come to a game. But God, God actually showed up for Moses' big day so that Moses wouldn't have to try to do this seemingly impossible task alone, make water come from a rock. See, at this point in Israel's story, this exodus from Egypt, Moses is carrying the weight of the whole community on his shoulders. The expectations of the people had to be heavy on his back. And he cried out to God for help. That's how this conversation gets started. He didn't know what else to do on his own. And so God responds by encouraging Moses to grab hold of something, something in his hands that would remind him of the way that God had saved him from trouble before, had led him through something difficult before. And then God promised Moses that he wouldn't have to go through the next challenging thing alone. God was going to be there to see him through it again. Today we're remembering two saints, Johann Arndt and Jacob Bohm, who I imagine felt they were facing an impossible task in their time. These are two mystics from the early 17th century. And their claim to fame is that they helped to heal the divisions within the church between the Reformed and the Evangelical branches of Protestantism. And if you know from our own time, schisms are hard to mend. But their writings helped to do this. Their writings entered into the mystical aspects of theology, perhaps like God standing before us on a rock. And that mystical theology helped people to come together. It's what allowed these two men to build bridges between groups separated by a deep schism. And I wonder if as leaders today of our own lives and perhaps of groups of people, if we don't face challenges that are similar, challenges that feel like schism or are are clear divisions in the circles that we run in, something that might feel like a giant rock in the path, something that maybe you're not sure you can overcome on your own, Sometimes, like Moses, we assume the responsibility to fix a situation, but we can't fix it on our own, and we know this. So we learn from Moses that we can ask God for help. It's as simple as that. And God will not only point us to the totems in our lives from the past, those objects that signify to us great accomplishments from our past, ways that God got us through before, but God also shows up. God walks us through the difficult moments of whatever is to come. So ask yourself what seemingly impossible task is looming before you today? Where is it that water needs to come pouring from a rock in your life? Where are the schisms that you need to mend? Can you tap into this mystical theology and believe that God can be with you as near as God was on that rock with Moses, that God can be represented in those symbols and totems from your life and be with you in this moment.
show up in power again. I guess the, the point is I want you to remember you won't have to do this alone and to draw from that history with God and then to remember it's not just history, that God is still here today. So you can leave here and pick up your staff or put on those old worn basketball shoes and run toward your heavy rock, remembering that when you get to it, God will be there waiting for you And with God's help, you can do that impossible thing together. Almighty God, you proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. Direct in our time, we pray, those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound, 
and its will righteous, to the honor of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please join me in prayer number four, a thanksgiving from the New Zealand prayer book. Dear God, thank you for all that is good, for our creation and our humanity, for the stewardship you have given us of this planet Earth, for the gifts of life and of one another, for your love which is unbounded and eternal. O most holy and beloved, our companion, our guide upon the way, our bright evening star. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. May God bless you and keep you. May the light of the Holy Spirit shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of Christ turn towards you and give you peace. Amen.